I had a fry every day this summer. Working on building sites. You know, now again, we didn't win, so maybe it wasn't the right thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> I should have been there the food and the pasta. <laughs> OTB AM. Live, weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Manchester United, according to the Athletic, in for uh, Adrian Rabio. Yeah. <laughs> um, a guy who is a very, very good footballer, but a guy who's obviously, you know, um, brought a certain energy to a dressing room that isn't always positive uh, to both his international and club dressing rooms in the past. A character. A character. Sorry, that's the phrase I was looking for. He's the definition of a character. So uh, this is David Orenstein of The Athletic who is reporting this morning that um, they're going to go in for the fella who is now 27 years of age. He's into the final 12 months of his contract at Juventus. It could potentially be an indicator that they are leaving the race to sign Frankie de Jong. So uh, what he says is United must decide whether or not they try and close out this proposed signing of Rabiot irrespective of their ongoing attempts to secure Frankie de Jong or wait to discover how that pursuit finishes before making a decision on Rabio. But 12 months left on his contract, so you presume they're getting a reasonable deal? Transfer market says his current value is 15 million, so that's what, 35 for Manchester United? For Manchester United, they might get it just to below, they might get it to like 27 or something like that. So uh, is, is this verging on the panic button? Maybe um, not even in relation to yesterday, but maybe in relation to the De Jong signing going down the, the toilet? I think you, you need to get a body or bodies in there to make training a bit more intense somebody who has a bit of swagger who isn't scared of winning matches at home against Brighton yeah like he de- definitely would bring swagger you would have thought um, I'm not sure is like it definitely can't hurt I'd suspect unless the off the pitch stuff becomes a, a bit of an issue and like maybe in the first season of your career that's or the first season of a new club that, that's not something that necessarily um, comes to fruition at all so like I think Juventus have been relatively keen to maybe get him off the books or have been trying to you know at least disguise that so that they can get a few quid for him like I think the likes of uh, Aaron Ramsey was probably in that same um, category with him a couple of weeks ago as well where they're, they're trying to get a few bodies um, off their books but it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a bad signing I guess Adrian Rabiot's ma appears to be a oh, she's a, a big yeah. Her, herself and uh, the Mbappe family famously had uh, issues. Uh, issues, I think, wasn't it at, at uh, Euro 2022? Veronique, if I remember correctly, I think we did a, a, a beef is real. Um, I think Kylian Mbappe's dad and Veronique Rabio are not BFFs. They were on opposite sides. They were on opposite sides of uh, the bust up that uh, resulted in France not delivering on their favourites tag at last year's Euros. Um, he's already being labelled the French Fellaini. <laughs> There's not a lot of credit in the bank when it comes to the player or the people making the decisions about who to who to sign for Manchester United. The trouble is because they get linked with absolutely everybody. There's kind of a stench around it. Like you know, they might not sign Arnautovic. They might not actually have been linked with Arnautovic in any meaningful way. You know, it's they apparently a bid was turned down. Was it? Do you know? That comes out publicly. Was that actually factually a bid? Was that made? Or does every does every team send out like a, how much is that player? How much is that player? How much is that player? It's just like a, a, a message coming from your server going, what's the current price? What's the current price? What's the current price? What's the current price? And Arnautovic is like number 177 on a list of 700 players. You know, but there's not a real thing. But that the agent, Arnautovic's agent, hears that there's been a phone call. His, his name has come up in a, an email. A list of these players, mm-hmm. and suddenly it's like, oh, a bid's been made, but it hasn't. 
But now everybody thinks, oh, these guys don't know what they're doing. They're trying to sign that guy. The only thing is that Ten Hag has worked with Arnautovic in the past. So maybe that's why, out of the list of 180 names, that's why this is the story, because the dots connect on more than one level. It's not just the automated server email. It's also the other side of things that he's worked with them in the past. But if they go ahead and actually sign him, then maybe that will be proof that these guys don't actually know what they're doing. Um, The Rabiot thing, to a lesser degree, uh, I I think it was after Mbappe's penalty miss, by the way, that uh, Veronique Rabiot was... Uh, pretty annoyed and gave it to the Mbappe family. Right. Yeah. Uh, at their lowest point. Yeah. He, he's um, <laughs> he's injured at the moment. He's got um, a, a head wound from yes. one of his teammates uh, who kicked him in the head accidentally, not on purpose. This yeah. is not a John Hart and Isle Berkovich situation. No. This is a completely accidental clash of heads. So I don't know if he'd actually be available to play very soon. It might be a couple of weeks before the six stitches in his head. Football doesn't really care about that kind of stuff. So probably get out there. Stick your skull cap on and play for us next weekend. Like we said at the top of the show that Chelsea against Spurs is the game to watch this weekend, but it's not really. It's Brentford versus Manchester United at half five on Saturday night, isn't it? That that's where it is. The range of outcomes is large. Where's the game? It's in Brentford. Right. Uh, Rabio, only the two million Instagram followers though, so that's uh, that's progress from if you're if you care about that kind of stuff and you think that the club is trying to get its soul back, then maybe signing a player who's only twenty seven could still be entering his peak years. Yeah, like uh, relatively cheap, and like he's uh, proven himself. Like we've all watched him in the Champions League. He's he's a very good player. Uh, it just seems that the talent that he displayed maybe four or five years ago just hasn't been consistently shown in the uh, intervening years. And that is one of Manchester United's biggest problems: is that they've had players who've also worn the stripes of Juventus, who've shown glimpses of brilliance and haven't been able to do it consistently. And I would say that has been one of the criticisms you could level at Rabiot over the well, last couple of years. At the end of COVID, wasn't Anthony Martial going to be? Really, really good. And right after COVID, he was really good. It was then the the off season happened. It was the start of the season. Then that he was just very, very disappointing. I still don't think Martial's a, a complete bust, and I think that if Ten Hag is going to make it at Manchester United, players like Martial are going to have to have an impact. They're going to have to score ten to fifteen goals this season. He's going to have to get Rashford back hitting the target from the chance that they got yesterday. A big debate between Nathan and Brian Kerr about whether or not the offside would have been given by the VAR afterwards, and I don't know. Um, you know, we'll never know if uh, VAR would have corrected the offside flag of, um, but the fact that he missed the, the the cruelty is how it was referred to by one of the reporters. Like how cruel it was for this hollowed out player to be given the opportunity to show that he would have missed anyway. <laughs> Whereas if the flag had gone up, would have been like, oh, I definitely would have scored that. Yeah, you know, it's like, and then he didn't. Um, so I don't know, uh, Rabio. If they'd signed him, if they could have got the deal done before the news breaks you'd be like oh they're doing some stuff that we don't know about mm. that they aren't just this leaky vessel where it's a, a it's a, everyone like I, there's no there doesn't seem to be any Manchester United insider anymore everybody's an insider and like every single uh, UK outlet seems to have their finger on the pulse when it comes to the inner workings of Manchester United which is not a great scenario no or just a lot of good Manchester United journalism going on well that's true and so many opportunities for it as well um, interesting piece in the um, we're going to talk to Phil Thompson in a moment by the way about Liverpool but interesting piece about Stephen Gerrard why Gerrard might have blundered by freezing out Mings and then they're like they just like on a fairly rudimentary level right Bournemouth have two of the five tallest players who started Premier League matches at the weekend Tyro Mings tall Villa concede from set pieces it's like um, yeah that's going to be interesting for Manchester United at the weekend 
for Brentford. Oh, Brentford. Brentford sorry, sorry, not Bournemouth. I keep getting confused. Yeah. The, uh, the two <laughs> new kids on the block, you know. Post 2015 Premier League uh, influx of names. teams beginning with the letter B. It's a good round. <laughs> Is there anybody else? Well, uh, that once Birmingham got relegated, those dreams were dead of a possible triumvirate of teams beginning with B. Um, this is good content. Uh, Brentford, how tall they are? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not quite sure if they have the the same height as as um, Bournemouth do. But you're saying that Stephen Gerrard shot himself in the foot by dropping through well, things. He left uh, him on the bench and didn't even put it, bring him on. By the way, like which is uh, tantalising for him. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know it's not a good start for Villa it's a continuation of the situation they found themselves in I'm hijacking this Manchester United conversation I shouldn't have sorry there's a, there, there's a new midfielder on the way and it looks like uh, now hang on they, they have reported before that these signings are imminent and then nothing happens so presumably this isn't going to be that protracted he's been left out of the squad by Juventus Juventus want rid of him he's 12 months left you can get the deal done. Surely this is an open goal even for the, the transfer people at Manchester United. No. Maybe this is just like, a, like you know the way, what do they say, like if, if you're one of your players is like short in confidence, just do, do the right thing next. Just do the simple thing next. Just play a few passes. Maybe the transfer department at Manchester United are like, right, we've got to knock our heads together. We just have to just get something done. Yeah. We just need to get over the line. Just get the confidence back. What, what's the lowest hanging fruit? Adrian Rabio. Um... Yeah, yeah, and maybe it'll be less than twenty million, and everybody'll be like, "Oh, that's fine." He's a, he looks like a Premier League player. Is he a top four Premier League player? We'll see. Maybe some other players around him will come in. Yeah, what are the wages then? Is obviously the other question. Uh, what's going on at Leicester? Let's see the thing here. Yeah, like obviously things look very, very rosy for them for a period of time yesterday and I kind of thought before the season began that Leicester were going to have a resurgence this season. That if you were picking who's best place to finish seventh. At the end of last season, I would have said Newcastle because Newcastle are obviously going to sign a whole host of amazing footballers. And like Eddie Howe was basically saying last week that it hasn't necessarily been possible. He's put it down to financial fair play. Now, there are still a couple of weeks left and they have signed some players, but it hasn't been the whole sway of the players that you'd imagine they would have needed to break the top six. So I would have had Leicester as possibly the front runners to get seventh. And I gather from the tone of your question there that uh, the mood music out there is that it's not going to happen. For well, them. it looks like several of their best players are available at the moment yeah. for the right price yeah so, like obviously Madison would be the main one that looks like he's going to be going out the door and Fafana yeah like Chelsea are in for Fafana for 60 million then 70 million and then it looks like they'll go to 80 million to sign him and um, I mean does Thiago Silva get dropped then or is it, I don't know that's that's a good Chelsea team yeah like who yeah, just invested a quarter of a million he was playing yesterday quarter of a billion a quarter of a billion like he was playing yesterday for Fana uh, played the full game Sionchu was on the bench I don't think he played a minute for Leicester yesterday that, that centre back partnership and not having them for a good selection of, of last season was one of the main reasons why, why they faltered I would have thought it didn't seem they could handle too much the um, midweek uh, fixture list as well and I thought this season they'd be a much better place but the early signs not great Alright 19 minutes past 9 we'll get a bit more on the football with Phil Egan next OTB Philigan's with us, having some trouble with old Phil, so we're getting young Phil. Phil, how are you? <laughs> Younger Phil. Younger Phil. <laughs> yeah, all good, yeah. Uh, Adrian Rabio is the, the news this morning. He's the latest in a long line of players to have been linked with Manchester United. There seems to be a bit more around this one. David Ornstein of The Athletic is reporting that they're trying to close out this deal. He's been left out of the club team for a pre-season tour. He made a short appearance uh, yesterday, the day before, against Atletico. Got, got a kick in the head for his troubles but seems to be on the way out. Is he what Manchester United needs? 
Um, he'd be an upgrade on what's there. Um, so I think that's probably the thinking behind it. But he is probably not the player that's going to transform the, the United midfield. I think he's he'd be a, a complementary midfielder to a better midfielder. But they don't have that at the moment because for some bizarre reason they started the season with McTominay and Fred. Fred was taken off first but McTominay was awful. Could have been sent off, shouldn't he? he? Could have been sent off and he was just clumsy and he just has games like that and he doesn't seem to have much football intelligence when you watch him. Like he's an incredible athlete, he's quick, um, he's obviously quite big and he actually isn't the worst finisher but yeah, there was just a, a real lack of a, a game plan. I think that's what everyone was tuning in to see. Yesterday was how will United approach this, but after a few minutes and Brighton kind of settled into it, it was uh, a comfortable enough afternoon for Brighton. And probably something in the comments from Ten Hag about the players lacking self-belief, that they're, they don't have confidence. They're brittle. As soon as they went behind, you kind of felt... You know they rallied a bit in the second half, but you, you, when they were two 0 down, did anyone think that United were going to come back and win that game? I certainly did. And I thought maybe they might get a draw just yeah. because of the the old nature Trafford. of yeah. yeah the Old Trafford factor and, and like it is a thing. Like Brighton hadn't won at Old Trafford. Brighton have played well at Old Trafford in recent seasons and have come away empty-handed. But um, everybody's getting their first win at Old Trafford in twenty, thirty, forty years over the last two seasons that's what's happening now yeah that that like anything that they had so even last year Ronaldo would score two late goals against bad teams and they would win games that they should have lost mm. um, but that's like he's starting he's starting at a very low base and I, I actually think signing somebody like Rabiot you know he's really replacing Jesse Lingard in the squad and it, or Juan Mata in the squad and if you can get more from this player than those two then your squad is improving this is not going to be sign Allison and sign Virgil van Dijk and become suddenly uh, competitors again because that team already had loads of great players in it like Man United do not have any great players at the moment yeah absolutely um, I think Rabio obviously is going to take the place of Fred or McTominay um, but you would I hope in, in, the, in, in, in terms of they, they need depth in their squad as well because also these underperforming players need a kick up the backside. They need to be. They need to know that if you play as bad as that again, like you won't be playing. And unfortunately, for the last few years, players at United have played badly, and they start the next week. And you know, you get comfortable, and you just think that you know all I have to do is just maybe throw out an apology on social media, and you know that will keep things sweet for a while, and then we'll. Uh, We'll go again, but also like the link of the Arnautovic thing, that was just, I mean, if United fans were feeling bad after watching the performance yesterday, then to see that, like, what good would Marco Arnautovic bring see, to the thing Manchester is, United? If you want to add Marco Arnautovic to the squad and you've signed five other players and you do it in the, in the very early days, the dog days of there being no football, yeah. that's fine. But if that's the first thing that happens in the immediate aftermath after a crushing home defeat in the opening day of the season, it looks like you're really badly run. Even if they got the Rabio thing out at full time yesterday, oh, we're, you know, we're 24 hours away from this, that would have helped with, uh, we understand there are issues, we see what's going on, yeah. but, um, like, it, it, you talked there about um, they need depth. Spurs arrived, or Conte arrived and said we need depth, and they've got depth yeah. in two transfer windows. Now again, 
a much better squad in that they have genuine world class players in that squad and so therefore they're working with better material it, I, I mean I, I don't know is Jaden Sancho going to make it I'm, I don't know the the assumption was that a new manager will come in and know what to do with him and he'll yeah. suddenly look really well, good I think if, if if things start going well under Ten Hag Sancho will be part of that because it's very hard to like he you know, you can see where Sancho fits into a system, but if the system hasn't worked yet, and look, it's going to take time. But unfortunately, there is still too many players at United, and like Arnautovic, which what I mean there is to become a really good club again, they need to have a better culture. Their dressing room culture stinks, and Arnautovic is not somebody you throw into that dressing room. And part of me would say the same about Rabio, who wouldn't be a very disciplined player the way that we're told Eric Ten Hag is all about discipline Rabio, there's a talent there but you want players that will dig in when the going gets tough I'm just not sure about that he, I think when things are going well Rabio will be will be grand but I said there, there is a serious problem with the with the culture in that dressing room It feels like Manchester United are like addicted to the drug of what an immediate signing can give you you know like a 27 year old Rabio who has proven he can do really good things at times not very consistently but he has proven he can do really good things it feels like United are just addicted to that sort of signing as opposed to the methodical planning that comes with the turnaround of a club which is what United need where it's years and years of work of signing players of the right age profile so that when they become the age of Adrian Rabiot they're playing alongside another bunch of 25 to 30 year olds who are are willing to, to, to win for the team and ready to win for the team like this is just another series of plasters that Manchester United are hoping to administer. Yeah, you used the word planning. There is no planning. That's the problem. Or if there is, it's all short term. There's, You need people that understand modern football and what you need from players. Like, talent doesn't cut it anymore. Like You need to have a certain attitude as well and like a character to be able to make it at the very top. And so what are your what are your concerns about Ravio specifically? Well, first of all, I, I think he's he's quite limited in you know technically he's a decent enough player, but from whenever I watch him, he, he's one of these players that takes the safe option when he's on the ball. And uh, I remember the first time I saw him play, he was a teenager at PSG, and that was a PSG team like who were dominating the the French league. This was a team with Zlatan. This was a team with, with Cavani, obviously Thiago Silva was there, Verratti was in midfield, and saw him in the flesh play and, you know, sideways passes, bought back. Now, that's fine because he had better players around him, but is he going to be a transformative player? I don't think so, but the thing is, he's still going to be an upgrade on Fred and McTominay. Yeah, I, I, and is that enough? But that's not really a great starting point for a game into the season and you're signing the guy you think well you know what he won't be as bad as the other two well maybe he's the player who makes a lot more sense when they get somebody else beside him yeah and and so that's the planning here is that actually they're planning for next transfer window when they get whoever that central midfielder is going to be and suddenly you've replaced Fred and McTominay with Frankie de Jong and Verratti and everyone's like oh Verratti obviously sorry a slip of the tongue Uh, Rabiot yeah I mean, I wish be, they had Ferrati. There you go. <laughs> um, but like, at least that is like not just this guy's not going to be the the silver bullet. But uh, him plus somebody else plus somebody else 
is going to be a midfield that gives us flexibility and yeah. tactical. Like I don't. Would they they still like? Could they play Christian Eriksen there to just get them through this period? Where at least somebody who knows and wants the ball is on the ball? Yeah, well, I mean, there was that incident in the, the first half where Fred got the ball. He came looking for it on top of his centre-halves and he got dispossessed and Trossard had a chance but just didn't um, wasn't able to square it. But, yeah, when you see players like Fred and McTominay trying to get on the ball, it, like, it doesn't really instil confidence and they, they just don't look very comfortable. Eriksen obviously is a player that from deep could do things but you also need somebody that can get the ball back for you and that's not really Ericsson's game you need somebody that's like the first instinct is to go hunting for the ball but can actually do it properly I don't mean throwing yourself into tackles and full blood of tackles and everyone says oh that's great commitment McTominay did that yesterday but I, I wouldn't classify anything he did as positive yesterday Do, do you know what if Manchester United are looking for quick fixes um, Genie Wijnaldum's name was being chanted around the Stadio Olimpico last night it was an amazing unveiling Yeah, getting him on loan from Paris Saint-Germain I think is a really good piece of business that would have been exactly what you're talking about There's the, the sort of midfielder who can uh, who can deliver magic on the ball but yeah. most importantly actually win possession back and do the, the dirty work in midfield it would have been perfect for this Manchester United yeah, midfield never going to United no, he never would have, no. I guess. Uh, for money. Nah. But the thing is, from PSG to United, it would have been possible. Obviously, post Liverpool, they were yeah, never done any business with United. I mean, but ask Michael Owen about that. You know? Yeah. I mean, when he's in town. <laughs> yeah. Um, talk about Liverpool briefly. Uh, Daniel Harris made the point earlier on that like, if you're trying to win the league, you look at the number of points that Man City get and dropping points on the opening day of the season it's a, it's not a complete disaster but it's a little bit of a disaster because already you're chasing them like yeah. you know I know it's stupid it's completely overreacting but this is what City have done look at their team look yeah. at City's team where are they going to drop points against who yeah. so maybe like West Ham might have a chance of all the teams that are out there like yeah I don't know I, I think West Ham were short at the back uh, I think literally and metaphorically yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 I don't know. I, know, I get you what, what you mean. Like with the kind of feeling with Liverpool would be they'd hit the ground running. They were awful on Saturday. But the positive I would take from it, it would be that they still got something from the game. Like they, they weren't good. I thought it was interesting. He went with the same ten outfield players that started in the Community Shield. Obviously, then Allison comes in for Adrian, and that's just makes the team stronger. But Firmino wasn't good. Firmino, obviously, we know wants to come deep for the ball but it just meant that the two Fulham centre halves had an easy ride then as soon as Nunes came on like it, it was a, like Nunes obviously scores he sets one up he has a few chances still looked a bit nervy at times but at least when he came on he was making runs the two Fulham centre halves were occupied and all of a sudden Mo Salah had a load of space and you would imagine that now Nunes starts the next game and Liverpool will be a lot more threatening in attack. The, the disappointing performance, I mentioned for me, you know, there was plenty of them. Joe Matip, who in the, the kickoff on Friday, we were talking about how good he is at bringing the ball out, but he just kept giving the ball away. That's where the Mitrovic penalty came from. He gave the ball away. But Luis Diaz had Tete on a yellow card early and he just did it, they just didn't get the ball to him enough. So Diaz, as good as he is, brilliant dribbler, because you've lost Mane's goals from that position, there's a lot of pressure on him to be scoring goals. So it's, uh, look, 
it's still very early days. I thought Klopp was there was no over like the, obviously the thing that was picked out of his interview was about the pitch. But actually, if you look at the whole interview, he put his hands up and said we just weren't good enough. And was that a case of were they undercooked? I mean, they looked fairly sharp against Manchester City in the the Community Shield. We don't know what kind of work they did in between that, but we know that they were trying to play a behind-closed-doors game against Villa yesterday. That game didn't go ahead, but Klopp obviously feels that his players need more work. For the first time... By the way, Fulham were good as well. I was just going to say that you probably saw the stats for the first time since joining Liverpool, Virgil van Dijk was dribbled passed by an opponent and conceded a penalty in the same game, and Alexander Mitrovic was the man to do both of those things. Well, he scored 43 goals last season and he, he must get sick of people saying, yeah, can you do it in the Premier League? 11 is his most in yeah. the Premier League. Well, no, nobody's saying that, but it's a yeah. fact. Like, yeah. he but has the, the, goal, the, Premier League. the goal, the first goal, that is the ball that he needs in. Mm. I know people are giving out about Trent Alexander-Arnold and as soon, I'd say as soon as he tried to jump, he was pinned down by Mitrovic. He's physically an absolute beast when it comes to that kind of ball that was in. Ever since he lobbed Mark Travers, his career has just been on the upward trajectory. He's only 27. Yeah. You know, like this is, and he's very, very experienced. Mm. So you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be surprised if he ripped it up this year and is playing Champions League football next season for somebody. Yeah. It, like Silva's a good manager. Maybe he just found a way of getting the best out of him and realises that yeah, he's well, the key to them surviving. Yeah. I mean, he didn't play really in the last campaign. Yeah. In the last Premier League campaign. He wasn't, Scott Parker couldn't really find a system to suit him, but Obviously, Marco Silva did that last season. 43 goals is a phenomenal return. And people say, yeah, it's only the second tier. But Haaland versus Mitrovic for the Golden Boot. For the Golden Boot, yeah. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see. But I, I, Salah will be up there. Obviously, Kane didn't... We know Kane doesn't like playing... September? In, uh, okay. No, August. August is now he, he actually had a chance. It was a great save from Gavin Bazzini, who looks like he's going to have... A very busy season. Yeah. But any other takeaway from the Liverpool game? Like the midfield seemed to be. Yeah. Well, Thiago going off injured is not great because he, he, you know, he gave the ball away a few times from trying long passes, but he's still the by far the best player Liverpool have in terms of keeping possession. Where he, like, actually, do you know who made an impact off the bench was James Milner, and that's not meant to be the case. As in, look, it's great that he can do that, but you're kind of thinking that Liverpool should have stronger options in midfield. I felt before the start of the season they were light in midfield and then when Thiago went off injured it's not great and you just wonder will it force a rethink into maybe a formation change where he plays just two in there and plays one behind Darwin Nunez and Salah and Luis, uh, Luis Diaz on the on the wings. Maybe it's uh, whether it's uh, a Carvalho or a Firmino in behind the striker and then you can just have two City midfielders with Henderson and, and Fabinho but and no change though in terms of transfers you think they're done for the, the it, sa- no? it sounds like it um, and the only thing like we would have thought maybe there would be more outgoings but the Canati injury Klopp said in his press conference uh, that that would affect players outgoing so that would suggest that somebody like Nat Phillips doesn't get loaned out if the Canati injury goes on for a few months alright Feel good stuff. Thanks a million for stepping in. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.